All right, there All we right, go. There we go. Hey, three times the charm. Yeah. <laughs> nice to finally get to meet you. Absolutely, nice to meet you too. I have never had that much trouble with Zoom before. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. Well, I figured, you know, there's probably a lot of heavy traffic uh, going on and, you know, bandwidth and all that stuff is can be kind of goofy sometimes. So, true, but, true. but we're here. So that's the good Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Ah, so what's new and exciting today? It's Friday. It is. It's Friday. I got off work early. It's warm outside. Yeah. It's going to be like Beautiful. 60 degrees tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So I have no complaints. <laughs> yeah. Where do you live? Um, I'm in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, for, I always thought Virginia was such a pretty state. Um, it I, is. I had friends who lived there near Roanoke, and um, just just the, the rolling, the hills and uh, just the mountains are just so it's just so pretty. Yeah, the yeah. Blue Ridge Mountains are yeah they're their own their own thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good. So, what are your exciting plans for the weekend? Um, I have a friend's birthday tonight, um, so probably going to do something fun for that. And then tomorrow and Sunday, no idea, probably <laughs> some writing, probably some video games. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, hey, it's good. It. You know, if you can have a free weekend, take advantage of it, you know. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Well, do you have any questions uh, for me, or do, would you like to go ahead and get started? We can We can get this thing going. Um, I'm kind of new at this, so I'm just going to go with whatever, Excellent. whatever you see with you're the professional yeah. here. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know well, well, we'll take that with a grain of salt on Instagram. Um, I've met so many interesting writers in all different genres, and I just wanted to get to know them. And I thought, well, I've been doing podcasts for a couple of years. Let's just do another one. Why not? And Why uh, not? Just, just yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I can do three. Um, and that's how this started. I just wanted to talk with writers, get to know them, and kind of give them a platform to showcase themselves. And, um, you know, I I just like that. I think there's there's no competition. There's enough room on the top of the hill for everybody, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, help help everybody out. And then, you know, yeah. you get to just meet some cool people and that's maybe exactly. find new good authors that you enjoy, you know? Yeah, right, exactly. Um, you know, in worst case scenario, we, we have a, a we have fun for 90 minutes and, you know, and that's that's a good <laughs> too. That's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Good. Okay, well, um, I'll just go ahead and begin. I'll do my intro, and we'll get right into it. Good. Hey, this is Mark Justice. Welcome back to Between the Lines. Today, we have fantasy writer Senna and Deo. Senna, welcome to Between the Lines. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very excited. Oh, good. My pleasure. This is, is going to be great. I, I was looking through your book a little bit, um, and uh, and I, I want to looking forward to kind of hearing all about you as a writer and about your writing process and all those kinds of things. Um, and just other aspects uh, and, I, and going through some of your Instagram posts, I'm like, Oh, okay. You do cosplay. This is awesome. So I want to talk <laughs> about these things. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's just kind of go back to like childhood a little bit. Who were some of your favorite writers growing up and, and maybe some of your favorite books? Um, I was a huge fan of Brian Jakes with the Redwall series. Okay. Um, I read probably all his books multiple times. Um, Tamora Pierce is another big one, a uh, big influence of mine. Um, Neil Schusterman, Schusterman, something. Hmm. 
<laughs> um, I really enjoy his work as well. Um, so those are probably some of the biggest ones. Um, I grew up reading Tolkien as well. Um, so just a lot of fantasy, a lot of kind of like almost some dark ideas, kind of stuff like that. Um, I think it's kind of prerequisite for every fantasy writer to read Tolkien at some time, right? Oh, it's required. Yeah, it's in the contract. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Um, so what was it about the fantasy genre that drew you in, you know, that attracts you still? Um, so I think that kind of started with like Star Wars even, which, you know, Lucas kind of says it's it's a it's a space fantasy. It's not really science fiction. Um, so just the idea of world building, creating creatures and just like cultures. Um, so I started doing like my own almost encyclopedias of different animals and planets and stuff like that. And then it kind of evolved from there into something, something real. So that's kind of where I started. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Are you also into Star Trek or is that more too, more straightforward to science fiction for you? It's a little too science fiction-y for me. I, you know, my parents enjoy it. I've had family that enjoy it, but it's never really my yeah, it makes sense. Most people tend to fall in one camp or the other, you know, in Star Wars, it's more the high fantasy, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to put it like in role-playing games terms, that's the Dungeons of Dragons, whereas like other kinds of science fiction is more like the Warhammer, you know, gritty, you know, like the Star Trek yeah. tends to be a little more like that. So no, that's, that's interesting. Um, well, you're all, you know, you're into cosplay, like I had, had mentioned. So has has that inspired your writing or is it a product of, or were you doing cosplay way before you considered wanting to be a writer? Um, the cosplay has kind of been more recently. Uh, I just kind of had pieces of some costumes that I put together and I was like, wow, this is really fun. And people like seem to, they know who the character is. Um, so I just actually bought a like super blonde wig so I can do some like Daenerys or Ciri from The Witcher. So kind of trying to open it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Enjoy um, actually like making it myself instead of, you know, buying pieces. I feel like it just, it adds so much more value to it when you're, you know, so involved in the process. Sure. Yeah. It's easy to buy a costume, but to invest that much time into making one, sure. That, that shows a level of passion and commitment, you know, to that. Oh, that's good. Do you, do you go to like um, conventions and things like that in cosplay or do you go like uh, fantasy conventions, anime conventions, anything like that where, or do you belong to a cosplay group? Believe it or not, I have never been to a con. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, I am totally surprised. Yeah. No, I actually am not. Um, I know uh, Galaxy Con is coming to Richmond soon, so I've been thinking about wearing uh, wearing my core cosplay there. Um, but um, I've also been looking at getting booths at uh, cons for, you know, writing but it's just, it's kind of expensive right now, I guess, because there were none last year. So now they're trying to make up for prices. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, Everything's gone up. Yeah, that's on hold for now. <laughs> yeah, of course. So what is fast or what was a galaxy con? I've never heard of that one. Um, So it's yeah, it's something that uh, was used to be pretty small. I think it's starting to get a little bit bigger now. It's not mm-hmm. like I mean, it's not anywhere near like San Diego or New York or anything. Okay. Like, Richmond's is a, a pretty small town. But... Is it a regional convention or is it something like Wizard World but comes to um, Richmond? I think it's regional. Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. like a, it's like a Richmond. Yeah. 
those are sometimes really, really great um, and when you go, because they can be small and there's an intimacy to those cons that you don't get at Wizard World, you know? Yeah. I mean, Wizard World, you get all the big stars, which is really kind of cool. I mean, you get to meet them and you get to spend your 10 seconds with them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the small cons, that's when you get have a chance to talk with the artists more, I think. Uh, there was um, one in Akron, Ohio. I'm from Ohio, so... Akron had Akron Comic Con, and I met a couple comic book writers there. And they just would take all the time in the world to talk with you, um, which you wouldn't get that at a convention when there's 20,000 people, you know. Sure. And uh, so I'm really excited for you. I, I hope that you'll let me know if you go. I want to know how, absolutely. you know, I want to see pictures. I want to know if you had a good time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it would be a lot of fun. Oh, excellent. Good, good. Well, I guess we can get back into your writing. So um, what first drew you to writing? Like, well, remember that spark that said, yeah, you know, I think I want to tell a story. Um, well, so according to my mom, I started reading right before my third birthday. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. That seems pretty young. But yeah, <laughs> no, that's good. Whereas I, I read Green Eggs and Ham right before my third birthday. So nice. it's always been kind of a spark. Um, I wrote wrote I say that generously my first book when I was probably about four or five um, <gasps> mostly stickers and little jumbled sentences um, but I think a big part of it was that my mom did really encourage me to keep writing you know keep practicing even if it's little short stories stuff like that um, that really kind of gave me the motivation to to keep at it to think that it could be something that was good and that someone might want to read someday so yeah oh that's wonderful um do you still have that book i i don't know oh, <laughs> it's probably long I, that, <laughs> that would be so awesome to have that um well that's interesting that you say you could read by the time you were or three or so as i was read to in the womb um i could read before i went to kindergarten and i was remember like we were learning our abcs and i'm looking around like do these kids not know how to read? You know, am I the only one? Um, but that really kind of set you up for life in a way. That love for reading, the passion for reading, that was like the best thing you could give me in the world was a book, you know, and um, just having them, uh, there was a comfort into and the, and the excitement of uh, getting a new book, like we're going to go off in this exciting mystery or something, you know, I completely immerse myself, you know, mm -hmm. in these in these books. So that's fantastic. Uh, kudos to your mom for encouraging you you know yeah yeah that was definitely yeah. a big part of it yeah <laughs> is, is um she's still a big fan and an encourager of your work she is she definitely is um she and my dad they they do a lot of like beta reading for me stuff like that um so yeah they're they've been a big encouragement for me growing up you know she even as like a little kid um she would take me to like richmond writer group stuff like that um vocabulary bees so like very much like, hey, all you have to do is take advantage of this and you can do whatever you want with it, you know? So I think that was really cool. I didn't appreciate, you know, when you're like 12 and you're hanging out with a bunch of adults who are like writing, I didn't really appreciate it at the time. I was like, sure. oh, this is really boring. But I think <laughs> that it did kind of set me up to kind of see it, um, you know, in a more serious light down the road. So. Yeah. You, that you can appreciate it now and look in the, in the lenses. That's good, though. That's Absolutely. awesome. That's awesome. Um, so this is why I like doing this show. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, learning these things, that's, that's just a, a thrilling. That's exciting. 
well, what made you want to write fantasy in that particular genre as opposed to any other genre? Um, well, part of it was like, like I said, like, you know, making creatures and worlds. And I was like, I kind of want to build stories with these things. Um, and it was also, there was a lot of inspiration from like books like Lord of the Rings or even like Aragon, the Christopher Paolini books. Um, a lot of, a lot of influence from that. And then of course, like Redwall, just like kind of the medieval, like fighting and stuff like that. And um, that's kind of where it stemmed from. And then I just kind of took it from there and created my own world pretty much. Nice. Oh, do you do a role-playing game as well? Like Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that? Um, I've played Dungeons and Dragons once. Okay. I think the biggest thing I learned from it is how hard it is to get a group of people together to do it. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. But it, I did really enjoy it. Um, I played a gnome bard. And oh yeah it was great yes it was great <laughs> I, I loved i had a bard i loved playing that bard um and my friend good friend who was uh, also my dm um just i had to write my own songs you know it was just yeah i'm the bard i'm gonna write songs so i wrote songs about what happened on the adventure you know and Absolutely. then yeah of course that's what you're that's what you're gonna do you're gonna tell tales you know um no no i love D D and all those role-playing games uh, those are just great fun because then it is that high fantasy you know and so mm -hmm. much was borrowed from like irish folk culture and tolkien and these other things that kind of a, an amalgam of all this like folklore and 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 things that um that exists but yeah no no that's that's fantastic so when you are thinking about fantasy and fantasy fiction what is it that makes a good fantasy story to you um i i really enjoy like complex books um i'm i really have enjoyed like you know song of ice and fire um just like really showing that it's a whole world it's not necessarily this one character or this one group like it, everything affects everything mm -hmm. you know and i think that that's like so important i enjoy like a story that has a lot of like meat to it um and the, the deeper the better like i want to learn i want to learn about this like i would like it's almost like not really in, you know more fun than in a class but like sure. you know, i want to have an understanding of it like that um, right I really get into a story okay yeah those are pretty complex um i thought you know hbo did a nice job with with the game of thrones series um but those are those are really deep and intense and you said you're a star wars fan i mean there's a tons you know several hundred books uh which expand the star wars universe you know so lots of lore lots of history in there so um and i remember getting a copy of the silmarillion tolkien do you have that have you read that i do yes yeah, okay that. <laughs> yeah and i just started reading that i'm like and I was reading it at the wrong time. I mean, I I, I was staggered at, at at the size of the of the work and the completeness of it. Um, but, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if I want to read, you know, 600 pages of elf and and dwarf history. You know, I was like, it's okay. really into it. Like, <laughs> exactly. I know exactly. And, and and yeah, there's an enthusiasm which I so admire and appreciate. It just wasn't for me at the time. So like one of those books, like, yeah, maybe I'll get back into that, you know, because it's been ages. Um, I also found, uh, do you read science fiction as well, or is it all fantasy? Um, sometimes. Um, I just started reading, I tried to get into to Dune. Um, 
I know, like it's already like I'm getting into it now that it's popular. But like I, I like kind of reading books sometimes when there is like almost those visuals, you know, sure. like a, a series or a movie right. or something. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm working through that one. I've been getting sidetracked. Um. I like to read a lot of nonfiction sometimes. So okay. I like to like, stagger it. Um. Yeah. Between nonfiction. Um, so I haven't finished it yet, but I'm working okay. on it. <laughs> that was funny you mentioned that because I was going to mention Dune as a, a, an a abject lesson in world building, you know, in mm -hmm. history building, because the depth of Herbert's universe here is is staggering and it just kind of grows with every book. And I've been trying to read the fifth one now. I've started like six times and I'm like halfway through. And every time I like get distracted, something happens and I can't finish it. And then I get, enough time goes by. I'm like, ah, I got to read it all over again. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like trying to remember like what, what's going on, but it is, it is a feat. Um, and Herbert, that series I think is my favorite series of all time because of just Herbert's writing style you know, as Stephen King would say, you never read Stephen King, and I noticed. Um, and I like you. I've read, I haven't read anything from his since Pet Cemetery. That was way back in the day. But I do like his nonfiction on writing and things like that because I taught English and on, and and as a writer, it's those are. I think he's got enough to say about how to write that I can take something from. But he said there are basically two writers. There's Faulkner's and there's Hemingways. And he's a Faulkner. I'm a Faulkner. I think Tolkien would be a Faulkner, you know, and, but Herbert is a Hemingway in that not just, not the simple sentence structure, but doesn't need to kind of be extra verbose about description, you know, mm. enough to kind of say, here's what, here's the scene and just kind of leaves it at that. There is a deft hands-off approach to just giving you enough to set this, to set the mise en scene as the fancy word would be, but then, um, leaves it rest to your imagination and that I find beautiful it must have taken a long time for him to kind of learn that kind of delicate approach to giving enough but not too much you know it, it, yeah it's definitely a balance and it's yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah it's definitely definitely difficult and that's not my natural inclination as a writer I mean I like like H.P. Lovecraft and um, you know I I used to write poetry my undergraduate degrees in poetry and um, so I'm all about the condensed language, but I like the vivid imagery and I like those kinds of things that carries over to my fiction, but I'm a visual writer. And so I just tend to see a movie in my head and I'm trying to convey it. And I like the language. I like vivid and all kinds of descriptions. So, uh, but I want to work towards something one day where I can say, okay, I'm a hands-off enough, you know, I'm not sure if I'll ever get there, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lots of writing exercises. <laughs> I guess so, right? Okay, Mark, take what you've normally done and cut it in half. Like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> I can't. How can I do it? Yeah, right. And if with with Herbert, it's just so effortless. Um, and his and his other other fiction is the same way. Uh, it's just it's just his style, you know. And that's I like that about him. Okay. Um, how do you know when you've written something fantastic, like from your perspective, your, uh, your view of looking at fantasy, because we're going to talk about world building and those kinds of things specifically in here a little bit, but when do you know, like, yeah, this is the kind of fantasy that hits me in all the right places. Mm, as far as like writing or like, reading? yeah, you're, no, when oh, you're writing, writing. <laughs> yeah. How do you know when you've written something that's fantastic, like in the fantastic for you, like 
when you're writing, because sometimes, you know, we, we get that immediate gratification, like, yeah, I think I know what I'm doing here. And sometimes we feel nothing, um, you know, like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing anything well or not. So when you're writing and you're trying to write a fantasy sequence or you're creating something that's fantastic, how do you know that you've succeeded? Um, I do like sometimes if I'm writing like a really intense scene or kind of wrapping things up, um, almost get this like, like buzzing feeling in my head. It's just like this, like almost like, um, elation, I suppose, like, oh, like, this is it, like, you can kind of feel it, you know, um, or as far as, like, like, finishing a book, polishing it, editing it, um, if I feel like I've connected all the dots that I wanted to connect, um, you know, in whatever fashion they connect, then I definitely feel, like, that satisfaction, like, yes, this is it, this is what I was trying to put on the paper, <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> and it's, and, you know, sometimes I feel like as a writer, it's like, uh, you know, if, if you're a painter or an artist or something, you can, like, step back and see the whole picture, um, and you know that it's, like, you can see that this is, like, what, what I wanted it to be, but as a writer, like, you almost have to take it in small pieces, and then, you know, be consistent enough to put it all together, um, and then, and then know that it it's done, but it's, it's a lot harder because you're, you're still got to like, look at all the tiny little pieces and you can't look at them all at once. You know? Right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You have to trust that everything that you have built one piece at a time, like you, you've assembled all the right puzzle pieces in the right order and you have all of them, you know, you're not missing puzzle pieces. And that's the thing you can't tell when you're working on a piece at a time, putting them together. It's only when you step back and kind of get that larger gestalt. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And even then I, I think particularly with fantasy, fantasy tends to lend itself to series fairly easily um, more so than I think other genres. Um, you don't really see that like in the horror genre unless you're doing movies like sequels and stuff because it's you know it's, it's cheap um, to make and they make money and but with fantasy these stories tend to be so grandiose I think that's that's why the, they take just too long to tell a story um, do you find that when you were writing did you begin with the idea of wanting to write a series or did you want to like do like several just kind of standalone books um I knew like all of my fantasy books would be in the same world so they'd be all kind of connected anyway um with Tides of Gephora which is the book that um just recently came out um I was writing the backstory of one of the characters trying to just get a good sense of like where she's coming from like the way she think about things and react to things and it turned into a prequel. So <laughs> it's about, um, that's what I'm editing now. Um, so yeah, sometimes it just kind of happens. Um, but I mean, if there's a story to be told, then I'm just going to write it down. Um, so I have about, I have at least three more books planned in this series that have kind of just happened. Nice. <laughs> I have the concept and I was like, oh, well, this connects to this. So, all right, I guess we're just going to, just going to roll with this. Like, right. Keep going. <laughs> Yeah, because it would be a shame to do all that work in world development and just to have one story, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Because it's, it, it, it's a, something I want to talk about in, in just a, actually in two questions. Because um, it's a serious amount of work to do it, to do it well, to do it right. So um, are there other genres that you would like to write in or do you want to stay with like the fantasy? Um, so I am writing kind of a little side project, um, which is kind of... It's, it's, I, I guess you could call it superhero, but I don't like to call it superhero because it's okay. not a superhero book, um, okay. but it is a little bit more like set in our world. Um, 
it's kind of like uh, people who have like I call them unpowers or ungifts. So the opposite of superpowers. Nice. Um, so I'm really excited about the concept. That's how I, I feel pretty much every day. I think I have. <laughs> I think I'm one of those ungift people. So that's. that's <laughs> I'll be sure to read that one. There you go. Yeah. And Mark but, slumped yeah. back in his chair. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I write a little bit of that. Um, I've tried a little bit of like romance, um, but it still ended up being fantasy. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then i also just finished a um, anthology submission which is fantasy horror oh um, nice isn't set in in the world that it usually is it's kind of a standalone thing okay um, so a little bit here and there um but mostly you know I, I i think anything i would write would have definitely elements of supernatural or fantasy mm-hmm. magic stuff like that right it's just kind of where you like to write exactly did, yeah um the the dabblings into these other genres particularly i mean when you did the romance you said you had to bring it like a fantasy or supernatural um you know i find those can be really interesting exercises from a writer's standpoint something that you normally wouldn't write but your or read you know mm-hmm. um is that how you began approaching these different genres or were there stories like did the story pop up and say here's this like unpowered story i think i want to tell that or i have an idea for a romance but i don't want it to be straight romance i mean how did these other stories kind of um evolve in your head so the for the like the unpowered the ungifted one that was something i've had in a, for a long time um you know i was just thinking like oh, there's these people who can read minds. Well, what if there was someone who everyone could read their mind? So I just kind of started from that perspective and just that's been something that I've been working on for a long time. I think I've written, rewritten that story more than any other. Um, so that one was just kind of its own thing. And then the romance one, that was kind of just more for fun. I don't usually like read romance. Um, so I'm very unfamiliar with it. So it was very much kind of more of a, more of an exercise for myself just to kind of think outside of the box that I usually sure you know, yeah <laughs> yeah um and and as a as a writer sometimes those exercises turn out to be quite quite pleasant and and quite rewarding in a way that you don't expect mm-hmm, you know absolutely yeah um I typically had written science fiction and horror most and and then comedy i wrote a couple of movies you could see the posters behind my head um a couple of my movies uh so these are comedies with their horror and science fiction themes and then my first novel though was a cozy mystery you know but there's no murder but it was going to be a movie idea um and it turned into a novel and i'd never i'd never even read a cozy so i had no idea what what the genre was like i had to do my research you know and and then wrote, realized what the parameters were and like and, and then started doing my my world building and and developed the story around and created this you know this world um based a lot of my memories of growing up in the town that i grew up i thought might as well if i'm gonna write about hometown i might as well write about my own you know Um, yeah 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 but and but i found it even though it was very kind of sweet to my taste and sometimes it it was honest in a way because the character I tried to ground it in something that was less saccharine. So the character is depressed because she just lost her job and she's coming home to try to regroup and then finds herself involved in this mystery that kind of changes the lives of the people it touches. And I thought, okay, so she got this kind of multiple things going on. And, but that of all 
I'm, I'm writing the sequel to that now, um, but I've written four books. And that one is actually the most popular, which is, which is funny, like sales wise. I'm yeah. like, wow. and it was like, I, I know it's a popular genre, but you know, a lot of people write in genres and you know, they, there's no, there's no sales. Like my other ones, like there's a splatter Western and a, and a pulp horror, um, action horror. And, um, those are more inclined to my taste as a reader and as a writer. And I just find it surprising, to, but the exercise in that cozy, but the, I'm doing things as a writer that I would never want to read. And, and is that, that makes any sense? Like you said, you had never really read romance uh, books. You're really, really quite familiar with it, but you found yourself writing one. Is, is, did you have those same kind of, there's a disconnect between a consumer and a producer. Like there was pleasure in creating this cozy mystery that the consumer part of me would probably never have picked up my book and read it. Like, why am I going to read this? But as a writer, it was, it was very satisfying to write that. And I don't know if that makes any sense to you. No, absolutely. I, I think that one of the biggest things as a writer is you have to keep your mind open because you just never know like what's going to inspire you, what's going to do well sales wise, what you're going to end up enjoying. Um, you just, I think it's so important to just kind of keep that, keep that open mind um, to just surprise yourself before anyone, you know, <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, it is, it's for yourself, you know, um, yeah. and you want people to enjoy it, but it's, it's for you and what you get out of it. So I yeah. think that's very important. Yes. I think right. we're cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes. You write for yourself. Ultimately, mm -hmm. you have to be happy Absolutely. with what you've done. Um, I know writers who write to audience and they do it because this is where they want this to be their job. But I've, I, I've never heard any of them talk about being happy with what they've written. I mean, they might be, they might, but they talk about the job and putting yeah. in eight hours a day and so many novels a year because they need to keep this going. And to me, that's, does that feels soulless in a way. That's you know. too much like work. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You know, that right. wants to be work. <laughs> right. This is supposed to be some kind of because writing is hard. I mean, I, I don't think people understand who've ever written a, a novel how much work uh, it takes to write a book. It's a, it's really a lot of work. It really is. Yeah. You know? and it's not all thrilling and exciting. There are times where it can be, but there are times where it's just tedious and boring. And it's like, ugh, you know, you just got to like churn it out. Like you got to be like laying a big giant brick wall and you got to put down one brick at a time. You know, you just, you got to lay down the bricks. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're like really happy when it's done in a way like, Oh, okay relief it is like it's, right you know, it's very much yeah. relief <laughs> yeah and usually about three quarters of the way through a draft I'm I'm done with it like emotionally mm. like metaphysically like <clears throat> I know the end I've rehearsed it in my head so many times it's almost like I've already said and told it you know and my I just have to tell my fingers you just got to make the words you know um because the next book's already starting to talk to me like hey we're next you know it starts to sound really enticing it's like new ideas like, <laughs> right yes <laughs> yes the, the, the fun's always or the beginning is always fun you know yeah. the first yes. couple hours of a road trip is great but by hour 14 it's like oh you know or day three it's like okay 
Yeah, you know? all right, I'm over it, I'm over it. Yes, well, I like what you said about editing because that was something else I saw. I laughed at one of your videos about editing and how you feel about editing. Like you really, you were thinking you're gonna make small changes and you have to like wipe out a whole chapter or more. So <laughs> is that something that you, a part of the writing process, is that a part of the writing process that you like least or is it just, you know, tell me about this. How did that video came about, I guess? Uh, so I, I'm very much, I don't really go into a book with like a, a big plot. Um, like I'll have a lot of ideas, concepts. I'll know where I want it to end up, themes that I want to be in it. Um, but a lot of times I'll just be like, okay, I need something exciting to happen, you know, and you'll just kind of go through it and then it'll kind of make sense. But then once I'm going back, I'm like, it's not, it's not smooth enough. Like I don't, I just, it's not, it doesn't make the impact that I wanted it to do. Like I'm getting the wrong feelings from it. So okay. Just, just mm -hmm. gotta delete it. <laughs> yeah. It Sometimes it deleting is easier than rewriting or, you know, depends on how much damage is done, I guess. Absolutely. It's yeah, like, is, it, mm -hmm. is it worth it to, to like salvage it or do I need to like start with some fresh inspiration, I suppose. Yeah. Because if you're going to be rewriting it anyway, sometimes writing from from brand new page is better than trying to restructure. You know, if you've yes. got garbage laying around, it's sometimes better to sweep the garbage away and start with a clean floor. You know, clean, yeah, clean floor, clean slate. Yeah, I'm a big believer in getting rid of the clutter. Mm -hmm. So, from what I'm hearing, then, is you're a pantser versus a plotter, and it comes to terms of organization. I would say yes. In general, um, there are probably some stories that I'm a little more a plotter, um, especially like I started Tides of Gephora, um as a pantser 100% and about two and a half years into it, I was like, wow, I really should have like plotted this out more. <laughs> there was a lot of regret there. I learned a lot. <laughs> but so I think I would consider like I, I, I try to plot a little bit more now. But I mean, at the end of the day, I said I'm writing for me. And if I mm -hmm doing where it's going i'm just going to go with it and just you know whatever plot i've written out all right bring it right <laughs> it just kind of evolves as you write exactly um, yeah okay well what kind of organization do you have how much how much of an like do you have like an outline for what whenever you do decide to organize what does that look like to you your organization organization is a very loose term so <laughs> a lot of times um when i when i get to a spot where i'm kind of stuck um what i'll do is i'll take like whatever papers i hand and i'll start writing writing a conversation with myself and it's a very specific method i know it doesn't sound like it but i have to handwrite it so i can keep my head focused i'll basically just like ask myself questions what is this person doing but wait don't they not like this and i'll just like write pretty much a conversation with myself and nine times out of 10, it works. So <laughs> that's, that's my organization pretty much. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I've never heard that process before. Um, I've seen complete pantsers. Um, one, one writer, um, I think her interview is coming out, I think maybe next week or two. Um, mm -hmm. She said when she talks about like, okay, chapter four, I need something. And then she'll write like fight. That's like the only mm -hmm. thing that she has for this show. Like, I know there's gonna be a fight and that's yeah. it, you know, yeah, and, it. I, <laughs> yeah. and, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm continually amazed at you pantsers. And I say you, because now <laughs> I'm designating myself as a plotter. And because I can't imagine going into a novel without knowing where I'm going to go, how I'm going to get there. You know, it's like jumping in a car saying, 
well, I'm going to drive west and hope to get to California one day. Now, <laughs> yeah. I would want to, I want my GPS, I want my roadmap, I want to know what stops I'm making. Um, and I think for that, for me, that that type of organization, because I'm a lister, I, I brainstorm with a list, I just start writing things down, I take the ideas that I like, and I develop them. And then I do an outline. And then I do my drafting and revision. And I think a lot of that came from just being a, um, an academics for so long. I was a student. And so in, with academic writing, you have to have this organized, you know, cogent paragraphs and coherent papers. And then I taught English composition for a long time. And, you know, I, that's, so that's, that's where the world I'd lived in. And I transferred that over into my writing. So I have a really detailed outline of, of my, of my, depends on how long the book is like my pulps are short so the outlines are like six to eight pages my current work it's going to be 400 to 450 um huh. and so my outline's like 23 26 pages something like that you know color wow coded. that is detailed yeah <laughs> but that includes some some like parts of dialogue and things like that as well that i had written you know as things came to me like i know that oh this is good dialogue i'm not sure where it's going to be yet but when i put it in there i just put it all there you know yeah, um, yeah, but it's still, even though it sounds like a lot, <clears throat> and you, when you have 450 pages to write, you still have a lot of bricks to lay down. You still have to do get point A to B to, to C to D, you know, those are the sinew points. And um, so, but it still helps me because then I can begin thinking, like, I know where I'm going to go. So I can kind of drew the breadcrumbs, you know, I can kind of hint yeah. at things that themes and stuff that I'm because I worked it all out ahead of time you know, my meta themes and things. So I, I try to be cognizant of that as I go. Um, yeah. Yeah. So but, you have more of an idea of like, it's like, once you get the main thing kind of set, you have more like, um, like opportunity to be creative around it, like surrounding it, you know, you can kind of build yeah. out instead of trying to build it as you're going, you know? <laughs> right. And it helps me feel confident going into whatever it is that I'm writing because I write from beginning to end. I don't like write parts pieces and then frankenstein it together i um you know even on days where you write something and you know when you're writing it's not going to work like you just know um i'll just go ahead and write it anyway and i'll just say why well, can i always keep it for something else later i'll cannibalize this you know for something else and <clears throat> it just because i have the safety net it's there yeah. and yeah. and and sometimes it you still don't know how it's all going to end up because there's still that wonderful living thing about writing. Even though you have intention and invention, imagination meets inspiration and journey, you know, discovery kind of all together. And so I might have a, a my outline, like a scene where the characters have dinner with, you know, one character's parents. And that's kind of essentially what I'll have. And that might end up being like a 15 page scene because it's just the dinner the conversation, the jokes, the things that happen, you know, and I know I want it to be like a warm aspect of the book. So, mm -hmm. but those are the kinds of things you still, those kind of happen as you write. Like and when you experience, sometimes the characters take over and they just kind of, you're just recording what they say. Like they just begin to live a little bit on their own. And that's kind of a really wonderful place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think probably, you know, as far as like a main, kind of like what you were saying, like that main line, that main idea. Um, for me, I think the only main really line I have is like my character arc. So I know how, how I want my character to develop and where I want them to end up, you know? And so I kind of like world build around that. Um, but I think, you know, that can be, that can 
be like the most important part of the story is like the development like how did they descend into madness you know or how (laughs) they what is their village villain origin story yeah that's (laughs) important yeah because that villain is probably a hero in his her or her own world you know um right it's better perspective and i think it's important to know these things to to a greater degree and um yeah i i like that you can take the time to do that you want to know these characters and uh, develop that and that's that's what i want to talk to you a little bit right now is this concept of world building and how um how do you design your world you got a fantasy world that your stories are taking place and can you talk about um how that world began and and how you continue to flesh it out um you know all about that process because i'm i'm really intrigued um so my world um is called andriel um and it started i think i was 12 when i wrote my first book that was kind of took place in there um and like i would just kind of i had it printed out and i would just like let my friends borrow it and they loved it and i mean I was 12 they were they were about the same age so sure. you know it wasn't impressive writing but they loved the world they loved the story they loved the creatures and the characters and the yeah. um and so I kind of took that concept and I like just kind of kept expanding on it um you know and a lot most of the world like the <clears throat> lands are based off of you know loosely based off of real world culture or stuff like that um and then how they interact with magic is unique in every place um so it just kind of and then I just started building this map and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> and yeah. until I, you know I have it a big like drawing on my wall pretty much that I reference all the time to make nice. sure I, I've got everything where it's supposed yeah. to be <laughs> do, do you plan on putting that map in your books at all so the reader has a has some context um yes so Tides of Gephora has a map of the regional area okay. um I guess I haven't done like a full map in the book mm-hmm. yet um I yeah definitely plans to to introduce that at some point so that could be helpful yeah well well even the regional map I think has to be helpful both for the reader and and for you the writer because if you're writing a series you want to make sure that your context um is that you know it's accurate and you also you have continuity you know you can't have a town by the seashore in one episode and oh it's in the mountains (laughs) in the next uh, book you know excuse me yeah yeah, I I found myself doing the same thing with my cozy because even though I know the town, there are I have to think of remember like street names that things were on and like where they are relative to one another. So I started like drawing this you know town out just for my own sake. Like I don't remember where what street the library is on, and I I look for my one book. I'm like I, I can't find it. Um, so I just have to draw this map, and then the last book I'll probably have the town because right now it's I'm still fleshing it out. So hmm. you know. Um, but no, I love that aspect, and, and it's so so like D and D that you would develop this world, and, and that's why um, I hope you can find some people to play with, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah there's lots of online forums now for that too. You can sure, play. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, what aspect of, about your world? I'm and I'm not just, oh, I was going to ask. Uh, Twelve years old when you wrote your first book. Do you have mm-hmm. that book? You still have. I it's somewhere. Yes, <clears throat> I have been looking. For- for it so hard because I've been actually rewriting it because it's part of my my fantasy series um blood of the gods but I don't know where it is okay <laughs> it's driving me nuts <laughs> yeah because so that you'd want to type it. it up and have that you know 
you want to have that around because I yeah. want to read it. I want to totally want to read that book. Um, <laughs> it just fills me with so much joy to hear someone <laughs> at 12 years old, you're writing a fantasy book that your friends are loving. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, it was, it caught me off guard. I thought it was like, I had friends who were, I had a friend who like got in trouble in class because she was like reading it at school and she doesn't usually like fantasies. So it was pretty neat. Like that was definitely, definitely a confidence boost for me. I was like, oh, people right. actually enjoy this. Like, yeah, that that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, do you, do you, did you like write it on like note paper? Is that how you kind of pass it around or did you transfer it into like a, like a, like a diary or a hardback book? Or do you, do you remember what, physically what it um, looks like so it was like a it was pretty much just like printer paper that um my mom had like spiral bound um again supporting me um and I like designed a little cover on like Microsoft Word like I had like little little angles like little jewels that I designed for it so it was like it was very rudimentary but I mean I was pretty excited to just be able to hold it in my hands you know to have yeah. something like that <laughs> that is just so awesome um that is so great. I love that story. Uh, I, I remember I tried writing my first book. I was about 16 or 17. Um, it was going to be a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, the George Romero oh, classic. Cool. Yeah, I saw it at a midnight showing, the classic, the 1978 version with some friends. And I was so like mind blown, like, oh, my God, I, I'd never seen anything like that. I, um, I immediately started working on the novel, the sequel, Feast of the Dead, um, <laughs> with all my friends in it. You know, it was so horrible. This combination of like zombie apocalypse and my love for Arthurian mythos. So, you know, all the characters are like running around in this, like wearing like, you know, combat fatigues and like wielding swords you know nice. <laughs> yeah it's horrible and i realized like by about chapter five i'm like oh my god this is just shit this is so horrible <laughs> and and my mom was being supportive because she was typing it up because i didn't i didn't know how to type at the time so mm. and I, and you know never having written something when you first hold that first thing like the fact that it was typed on paper i thought oh i've done it I've written a book. Oh, this is how it is. It. Now it's real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I quickly threw that away. It was just, <laughs> oh, no. you know, yeah. No, no, no. I no. that just serves. It's yeah. that was just embarrassing, you know. Um, <laughs> no, I had tons of ideas. I, I think when I was in, you know, like high school, I, I really knew I wanted to be a writer. Um, but I let fear get in the way, like fear of not of failure you know of not carrying a story with dialogue and and i but i just didn't give myself the confidence to try you know i think it's why i went to poetry because you don't have to worry about dialogue you know but um it wasn't really me it didn't really sit 100 percent, you know but kudos to you i'm so impressed that you just had this freedom and support and confidence going forward to keep on writing. So I am just so impressed. This is awesome. Um, thank you for sharing all this with me. This is, a, yeah. this is very, very exciting to hear. Um, so what aspect of your world do you like the most? Mm, the most? Um, I like, uh, I guess like uh, it would be the, it's almost like a, I don't want to call them a race because they're not really human, but these kind of humanoid people um, call them vippers. So they're basically 
these like kind of gray looking people with like tiger striped eyes who um have the ability to like steal the souls from people they kill nice. basically like they get high off of it like they get like this like euphoria and it was just like a fun concept i don't know no it's fantastic <laughs> yeah, just, it's, a fun yes. concept to me. it's just like so utterly free you know like how old were you when you made up these people these the humanoids um, it's just like a young creation like when you were like 12 13 like yeah these people suck their souls from people they're gonna get high off of it no this was later i was probably 19 or 20 originally the con at the concept i had was like that it was like more of a like apocalyptic thing um where like they would like like in a futuristic earth they would like come out of the ground because they've been living underground for so long and then like trying to integrate it into society um but then i you know i asked some advice and it was um and it was like, maybe they'd be fit better in my fantasy world, you know, because I kind of put that aside for a while. And then that kind of triggered my first book, which is uh, Eulogy, um, Tale of Tyrion. And then from there, I was like, you know, I got this one published and I think I just need to keep going with it because I, I enjoy the building of the worlds. I enjoy the creatures. And I felt like I just had so many more stories like brewing in this world and i was like i kind of just want to get it all out there oh yeah um there's that passion that comes along with that that creative spark it, there, there's a mania to it that's all kinds of delightful you know um mm -hmm. it, it sounds like i could easily see these characters <clears throat> this race turning into the vampire or the myth of the vampiric uh in your world because they are kind of essentially are that you know, much, they, yeah. they, they, it's like your version of the vampire, um, unless you have vampires in your world already, you know, so. I don't know, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's still a growing world. Who knows? You're right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, is there an aspect of your world that you like the least? Like, you know, I'm not crazy about this. I, I think, uh, I'm going to have to redo this. Um, so, I mean, at this point, like the stuff that's been written, I can't really like redo. I think I would do like more. I feel like one of my countries was almost too like typical fantasy, you know, um, mm -hmm. like too fairy tale ish um, mm -hmm. to some extent. So just like encouraging myself to kind of expand a little bit more. Um, the the books I had before were pretty much all set in that one area, um, and I realized I was just missing out on a lot of like potential for you know it's showing how the cultures interact with each other and having people think you know if you're going to create this whole new world why are you going to keep it something that's already been done before you know yeah it's it's hard to straddle this line of if you're creating fantasy there are so many tropes that have just become so commonplace and expected you know like all the tolkien -y stuff <clears throat> Um, and then how do you create something wholesale and new? Because you had said you like to kind of base your civilizations on Earth-like civilizations, mm -hmm. which is what I did always um, when I was doing gaming. All my civilizations had an elements of something Earth-like, and it was probably a, a quick way for me to get my players to understand where they were from. So I had a, a civilization that was like ancient Rome and one that was like Greece with twists on it. But it was just kind of a, you get a framework, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah but but to try to create entire civilizations and multiple cultures that exist in a fantasy you know realm without borrowing from those tropes that's that's monumental it really is 
it's you know just in some part it's almost impossible but mm -hmm. i think that you know there's nothing wrong with, with like borrowing all kinds of stuff um it helps i think it helps people to get kind of a, a real grip on on what they are reading and give them, give, give them their own visual especially if you like you said you're kind of writing in that very open leaving it to the imagination sort of way mm -hmm. um, but yeah it's it's a balance and um i think it's just important to if you have a good idea to just go with it because it's probably been done before but that doesn't <laughs> mean that you won't do it better <laughs> right exactly yeah and you gotta make it your own exactly um, yeah i uh for my last iteration of role-playing gaming uh, i was trying to create my own system and it's just too much to do you know it's just crazy but i did create a world generator that um introduced not only creating world and government and trade and all the aspects of a, of a government also like a popular culture generator uh, my degree in popular culture so it allows you to trace back your civilization and like all the things that were trending or your your heroes your civil you know your your um your formula, your myths, your trends, fads, you know, all these kinds of things over thousands of years if you want. So you can really get in depth. Um, so if that sounds anything that you might be interested in, we'll talk after the show. Yeah, because that is you, pretty cool. You can just cool roll concept. with numbers, you, you know, if, if, you're, if you're stuck with something, I don't want to influence <laughs> you at all. But but I found that to be kind of interesting and helpful to, to generate a civilization within a few minutes um, wholesale mm. from cloth. It, it was workable, you know, you could tweak it. But. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a great tool. Yeah, I'm still hoping to like turn it into something I can make money from, you know, that sounds like a pretty good idea. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, why not? Um, let's talk about your characters. And because, you know, the world is great. You have this wonderful world system, but then you have to have characters that, you know, readers care about or get angry, you know, they don't like, hate, um, and they're fun to create. So how do you go and develop and uh, create your characters? Um, so I think that going kind of going back to the like the tropes and stuff, I try to avoid the typical tropes. Um, my first book was definitely more he's he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the hero. He's like kind of the anti-hero, the antagonist. Um, but you also kind of I, I like to add the elements of like, oh, you kind of kind of get where he's coming from, you know, or um, with Tides of Gephora, um, the characters, you know, it's like it's like just an old lady who's like a seamstress you know it's just like people who wouldn't you wouldn't expect and they're not necessarily heroes um or do heroic things they kind of just get thrown into these conflicts or these worlds and they just kind of handle it i try to do it where they handle it as realistically as as possible um i think that having characters that people can relate to but also kind of admire it's it's a balance and it's probably one of the more important aspects of a really good story yeah that makes sense. It really does. Which of your characters would you most like to have a drink with? Mm, that's or, a good question. Or dinner if you're not a drinker, then dinner. You know, just, <laughs> just a meet and talk. Hang out. Um, I I have to say, like the most my favorite character that I've written um is Wendwin um from Tides of Gephora. She and it's gonna be her who gets the prequel too. It was her backstory that I was writing that I got really excited about. And then 120,000 words later, here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of awesome. Um yeah, I remember hearing a story similar to that from Stephen King. It's like he saw something on the news <clears throat> about a police officer and there was a shooting and he thought he could write a you know a story about that, you know, maybe about 10, 12,000 words. And he said, um, 
yeah, 500 pages in, uh, I realized I was writing a novel <laughs> because, you know, he just kept on going. And I guess if anyone can do it, you know, he's certainly done it enough to where he knows his craft. But that, you know, staggered my mind. You know, short stories, I'm I'm good at. You get an idea, like, yeah, I'm going to write about a ventriloquist doll and he attacks his owner. Okay, cool. And then you just kind of go because you just, you know, it's a short and sweet. But so every every artist has different creative process and you've talked quite a bit about yours is there anything more that you can add about your creative process like when from beginning idea to finished product like is i mean it sounds like you get an idea you kind of have a loose outline of what you want to happen and then you kind of just kind of as a pantser you just kind of write it and see if it kind of goes in that general direction is that fairly accurate um so i'd say i don't like specific process wise you don't really have um a process for the story i do have a process of how i write it and i think that definitely is the story okay um so all of my novels i start writing longhand in notebooks um so i will completely write it longhand in notebook it forces me to slow down and think about it um that also kind of whether it like depending on the book it depends like i may take all of it or i may decide to change it completely as i'm typing it up so i guess that would almost be like my outline um, would be the written, a handwritten one. Um, I also enjoy just being able to like take it with me, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So once I have it all written down in the notebook, then I'll transfer it to the computer. There might be some things. And then just, you know, just going through and reading it as I'm putting it in, I get an idea of like, I, I really don't like this or I really like this. So I want to do more with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I end up adding a lot of words because when I'm writing longhand, I'm kind of just getting the general idea. There may be some details I want to put in there um, that I know I want added. So I'll just kind of go from there. Um, and then once it's on the computer, then it's editing and editing and editing. <laughs> right. Right. And by editing, you mean you mean addition, not just subtraction. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely yeah. do a lot more addition than I do subtraction. I'll probably start with like 70 to 80,000 words and then add another 30 to 40,000. Um, okay. Nice. So you write 70,000 words longhand by hand. Yes. <laughs> so how many notebooks does that fill up for you? Oh, I have dozens. I have, and I keep them. A lot of them are very old. Um, some of them dating back to like 2000, 2002. So oh. I keep all of them. Um, yes. And a lot of them will just have pieces of stories in them once I never finish, but I always keep those. I even have pieces of loose notebook paper that I keep on my shelves too, um, just like ideas or, you know, outlines. Um, Cause I did try to do outlines for a while and then I realized I am keeping none of this. So. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, it's not true to you in your, in your creative process. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think right. it's a lot of trial and error. And I yeah. think a lot of people just assume you should just know the process you want. It's not you have to kind of try a lot of different things and see what works best yeah. for you. Because as a writer, you know, you always start, well, maybe you didn't because, well, maybe, you know, I think we all do. We always, our early efforts are usually somewhat imitative of something we've read or, you know, because we haven't found what they call your voice. Um, You know, it's one of the first things you're going to learn in a creative writing class is, you know, write for yourself, number one, or, or sorry, write what you know, and then evolve this thing called a voice, how you are going to say what you're going to say. And um, so we all start with that that imitative voice. Um, mm-hmm. When when did that change happen for you? Like, when did you start realizing, or maybe it was with your first book, um, when did you start 
knowing that you had a particular way of of wanting to write like your voice when were you first cognizant of, of your own voice so i definitely my first like 10 books as a little kid were absolutely ripoffs <laughs> like kind of like the pictures and everything i would just take kids books that i liked and i would just rewrite them pretty much like from memory um and draw pictures and stuff um and then, then i wrote one of my first like official novels, I guess, was pretty much just a ripoff of Maximum Ride from like James Patterson. Um, even my original um, like fantasy book was eerily similar to Lord of the Rings and um, a little bit of Aragon and thrown in there. So I think that I realized it wasn't that, like that book, the original writing was um, borrowed a lot of elements very generously um but uh, in hearing feedback I realized that people enjoyed that my books were very fast-paced they enjoyed that there were a lot of like twists and turns and that there almost like wasn't a break like it was just constant things happening which is kind of like mm -hmm. makes sense because that's kind of how my brain works <laughs> but it's just very consistent um very consistent twists and turns and I realized that that was something that they seemed to enjoy and so I kind of took that basic concept and then I learned to kind of still you know build more around it you know slow it down a little bit learn how I how much I wanted to describe versus how much I wanted to leave to the imagination um, and it just kind of evolved from there um, so I think getting feedback around you know early teenage years is when I started to realize okay this is there is a voice in there it's not just ripoffs of other <laughs> authors yeah but you have to go through that process, you know, yeah, before absolutely. you get there. Right. And then you start, I think once you start that journey and you start trusting that voice a little bit more and, and then you realize, okay, I have something to say in a way that I want to say it and it's going to be okay. You know, it doesn't, if it makes me happy, that's the litmus test at the end of the day. Are you on that page? I mean, it's not that you're not going to take inspiration from other sources or writers. I mean, or little phrasings sometimes, but at the end of the day, is it you? I think that I think is an ultimate litmus test for any writer, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say like, is it you on the page? Because that's something I learned, you know, as I was gaining my voice is that I put these like little pieces of myself in there and it just kind of mm -hmm. grounds it truth and it makes it more believable and yeah. I think more enjoyable as a reader because you can tell, you can tell when like an author really really puts like pieces of themselves on the pages. Oh yeah. I think that's, that's how we relate to the characters. Um, mm -hmm. How we connect to what's going on, especially if you have any kind of internal monologue with the character or do any kind of discussion of the character's thoughts. Um, yeah. We have to, we have to put ourselves in there. That's how we, yeah. that's how we relate to what's going on. And cause that's, a, that's when writing becomes cathartic, I think. Is mm -hmm. If we're dealing with a character who's complex and who's dealing with like real world emotions, real world problems, then it allows us to work on those in our, in ourselves, you know, the, the process, it's almost like self-therapy. You know? It is, it yeah. is. And I've never been a big diary writer, but it definitely helps to, to kind of put myself in those things and I can kind of work through it with the character or, you know, maybe they react in a way that I wouldn't, or, you know, it's just mm -hmm. kind of kind of leaves this very interesting kind of 3d aspect to it yeah yeah and when you when you put yourself out on the page when it's you 
that's a uniquely satisfying feeling that kind of begins to influence how you write going forward. Like once it happens, you start thinking, I don't want to not write this way. Like I, I can't afford to be fake. I'm like, now that I'm in touch with who I really am as a writer, I just want it to all be real, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, I think it's how my own writing has changed in a way. Cause like I, said, I mentioned, I, I let fear of dialogue get in the way of writing long fiction. Um, and it wasn't until I started writing movies uh, about a decade ago that I realized I'm telling a whole story with nothing but dialogue, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess, I guess I can tell a story and still be true to myself because they're comedies and that's my natural inclination is humor. And like, Oh, okay. Like, Oh, I, yeah, I can totally do this. And, but I'm also developing characters and plot, you know, and then that's what gave me the courage after writing through movies. I'm like, there's no reason why I shouldn't be writing long fiction, you know? And that was a, such a different process than writing movies. I mean, not, not the act of it. Cause you start with the idea and develop it. <clears throat> um, the movies had less structure for me. They're more pantsing. I knew like scenes, like I knew the general story and I kind of had like scenes that I wrote and then I had to like, look at the gaps, like, okay, well, I need something to transitions between this scene and this scene. So what could I do there? Oh, that sounds good. You know? Um, yeah, so it yeah. was, it was, it wasn't nearly as organized. It was more chaotic, you know, but that was kind of part of the fun of at least that. that yeah. Writing, very different you know? from, from writing the books. Yeah. It's good to, good to stretch both sides of your mind like that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was, you know, um, and I think maybe because of the, the movies didn't seem as long, you know, there's not, there's no exposition, it's just dialogue. So I don't have to worry about things making sense as a narrator, you know, there's no prose, it's just words, dialogue. Um, so it, there was, there was uh, less to worry about, I think, you know, in those. But, yeah, a little bit more freedom, you're not overthinking it. Yeah. And my, that's what everyone will say. Yeah. Mark was not thinking too much when he wrote these. <laughs> um, but that's kind of what makes them fun. You know, there's like, mm -hmm. yeah. look, if you can't tell from the title quest for Uranus, if that's going to be silly, like, come on. Uh, yeah, of course it's not meant to be taken seriously, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> do you do any kinds of research uh, for your books? Um, so in the past, I haven't, um, for Tides of Gephora, I had to do a lot of, uh, research for ships and naval stuff. Um, I wasn't too familiar with it, but it's very much like a maritime story. So there was a lot of research just on like names for things. Um, a little bit of lingo. I tried to keep my own kind of lingo in there too. So I did, a, I did a lot of research on that, like different kinds of ships and boats and like the kinds of water and seeds and stuff like that. So I think I did more research on this one than I have done um, on any in the past. Yeah, I, that, I like the research aspect. Um, and when you find those things and you could put them into your story seamlessly, I think that's when it kind of pays off in that way it's like it you don't want to sound like you're a history lesson or you're beating someone over the head you're trying to teach them something but you want to have a grounding of a reality enough to where things make sense and they're reliable um and those details are important you know yeah yeah they are they are 
yeah, it was, it was a good challenge for me because I, I usually do not like the research part of it. You know, I'm more into the fantasy because I have a lot more uh, freedom with it. Um, but I did, I feel like I, I learned a lot too. Um, and that, I think that, like you said, that it's cool. It's good to have that element in there to kind of, kind of ground it, kind of make it a little bit more believable. Um, if it is something that's fantastic. Sure. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. Do you have a, a favorite time of the day that you like to write? Um, so the, the most writing I've gotten done, the most productive I've been is when I'm working a desk job (laughs) at work. And if I don't have anything to do, or even in high school and call a little bit in college, I'll try not to do it as much, but if I'm in class and I happen to have a notebook, um, that's when it's pretty much when I'm just distracting myself from things, because if I try to make time for myself at home to do it, um, I'll just always find something to do. I'm like, oh, well, I need to work out. Oh, I need to clean. Oh, I need to, cook. you know, yeah. I'll be, like scrubbing the floorboards before I <laughs> sit down and write. <laughs> so I was like, it's never comfortable enough for me to like sit yeah. down. To floors. So okay. if I'm in an, in an area that's not home, I, that's when I'm most productive. Because um, you are like, escaping from what you are doing away from home, exactly. but home, you're nesting when you get home, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get it. I get it. Um, well, I can see that. Um, you know, I, I, the interview that just came out, um, it comes out tomorrow, actually. Oh, wait, today's Saturday, right? Is today? No, tomorrow's Saturday. Friday, yeah. Today's Friday. The episode that comes out tomorrow um, is a, the writer, John Leister. He writes uh, detective fiction. I'm kind of, mm-hmm. kind of like Mickey Splain, kind of fun tongue-in-cheek stuff. And he yeah. writes every day on his lunch break. Like you, he writes longhand in a notebook. Mm-hmm. And he just spends that half an hour or an hour every day, just writes by hand and then transcribes it when he gets home. And, and he's only been writing a few years, but he's done like 65 books that way. And wow. uh, yeah, That's I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're smaller books they are like pulp and smaller, but still, it's still staggering yeah. to me like oh my god but that's that's his process and i was just fascinated by that and like i'm just imagining you at a desk like nothing's going on hmm. no one i don't have to do anything <laughs> so I, can, I might as well if i have something to do and fill the time i might as well you know yeah um even when i worked at, at restaurants i would take little bar napkins and just write like little scenes and then i just end up with like a pile of them at the end of the day that i'll take home and, you know, I might not even do anything with it, but I'm still writing. I'm like, okay, I want a really dramatic scene or I want yeah. you know, something I want to put in a book. Um, and then in class and stuff, it was great because they see you writing in a notebook and they think you're taking notes. They think you're paying attention. <laughs> <No questions>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what my students were doing. Um, <laughs> now you know. <laughs> now I know. Well, you know, their grades showed it. So uh, <laughs> there <you> go. <laughs> no, that's good. Um no, that, no, that's great. I love that because I have a like a notebook I keep with me when I go out, or I was when I was in the creative phase. I would take it with me everywhere. I would go visit my parents. I'd bring it with me because I never knew when I was going to get an idea for something. Yeah. And so I, because I, I, otherwise I'll forget. And this is like, you know, dialogue would come to me, like whole scenes. And I'm mm. just writing down as fast as I can and hoping that I can read my own bad handwriting when I get it back home. Um so I no, I totally get that. I would take it to, to book shows when I would do shows because sometimes it's just slow and you may not get a customer for an hour. So what else are you gonna do? Just sit there and like, no, 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 I'm gonna be creative or you know, yeah. use it productively. So I know I totally get it. Um I totally get it. Yeah, that's I uh 
that's where I came across the doing the idea of doing a horror story set in my cozy mystery universe in that world. Same characters, you know, I'm going to tell my four stories. Um, then I'm going to uh, do a horror story where I kill everybody. So, you know, <laughs> you know fun, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. For, as a writer, as an exercise, it will be, it'll be great fun. Um, I've already written parts of the book at those shows. Um, mm. I know how a lot of the characters are going to die. I wrote the end of the novel already and it was like a gut punch. I felt it like, oh, you know, and like, ah, yeah. Okay. It was, uh, that's when it moved me. I thought, okay, I hope, I hope the people who read this feel as moved as I do, you know, Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll see, I guess we'll find out, you know, in a couple of years. <laughs> well, um, I was going to ask like, if you listen to music while writing, but it sounds like your other distractions are just being away from home. I mean, and like that's, so you don't have a time set aside every day to write. It's just when the, when the, you know, inspiration hits while you're doing mm. something else. So I did, I did used to listen to a lot of music when I was writing, like as a teenager, and I actually would write the name of the song at the top of the page. So I kind of knew what sort of influence I was getting while I was writing it. Or like I had this idea of like writing a book, but then it has like a soundtrack, you know? Um, So yeah, yeah, or like associating them with certain songs. So Mm -hmm. I would listen to that, but then I realized um, that it was a distraction, but I, I do... I do feel like I get a lot more productive when I listen to like instrumental metal, um, nice. stuff like that. Okay. Um, I do, I do enjoy metal. Um, so I feel like I, I do have the potential to be productive with that, but there's always the risk that I never find quite the right song and I end up just like scrolling or searching yeah. or like for a while. Yeah. It's like so having it's, ne- it's, a Netflix and, and spending two hours trying to find the right thing to watch. Yeah, it's, it's a dangerous <laughs> game, but sometimes it works out. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, what kind of instrumental metal do you like? Um, I really enjoy uh, Polyphia, uh, oh, if you've heard of them. Um, they're like, uh, I don't, they consider themselves metal. They're not like heavy metal. They're more like, I really enjoy progressive metal. Um, yes. So I enjoy who's your that. Favorite, who's your favorite progressive metal band? Prague. Between the Buried and Me. <laughs> what was that? Between the Buried and Me. Oh, okay. Um, I really enjoy them. I enjoy Parkway Drive. Um, I listen to a lot of August Burns Red. Okay. Um, I know them. I've not heard the, I've not listened to the other bands. Um yeah, are you like into right. like Dream Theater and Rush and those bands? Do you um, know those? I like some are they of too Dream old school? <laughs> no, I I do listen to some Dream Theater. That's uh I, ha- I think they will show up like on my playlist um, when I'm listening to other stuff like mm-hmm. all right. Um, so yeah, bands like that. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I really enjoyed All Shall Perish before they they broke up. Lamb of God. Okay. That's nice. All right. Good. You're the first person I think who's talked about metal as a soundtrack to writing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. When I wrote my third book, uh, it's just toxic. It was about my. 40 year struggle with my uh coming away from fundamentalist christianity and becoming an apostate i wrote that book because there a lot of it was a lot of anger and um so i listened to slayer an awful lot when i when i wrote that book but i i have a playlist i tend to depending on what i'm writing i like to listen to different things so my cozies there's a uh, one of the characters is a radio station that plays a lot of 1930s music so i have a lot of 1930s music lionel hampton who plays like vibraphone i love vibraphone and so i try to listen to that it kind of gets me in that kind of a other timely kind of mood um because the character of the town itself is kind of 
anachronistic you know there are elements like that are kind of stuck in time which is almost a metaphor because this the theme of the series is called seasons change like four seasons and an element of change um is the theme in each book being pushed out of our comfort zones and how change can be uncomfortable but ultimately can be positive and yeah. so there's these elements of the town that are kind of stuck like in the 70s or 50s or 30s or whatever but it's not like in a bad way you know it's just kind of like this is how things are so but um and then when i wrote my last book which is the pulp action horror death's head um it takes place in uh, haiti uh in near haiti and uh in like early 1930s it's my homage to the phantom so i listened to a lot of voodoo music you know voodoo drums and voodoo rituals and um which was really kind of awesome, you know, Yeah. listen to like five hours a day to these things. Yeah. Uh, after a while, I started, yeah, I started really digging it. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I totally love this stuff, you know, but yeah. it, it immersed me. It made me kind of feel something. So I, I get that. I totally, totally get that. Um, but now you give me some bands I have to listen to and I haven't listened to them. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. You might like heavy metal horror, my other podcast. You might enjoy that and listening to some yeah. of these guys that we've interviewed. So I'll see if we can reach out to these bands and let you know if they come on. Yeah, that'd be cool. Tell me, well, in the way this is kind of be kind of, I mean, you've already answered this question because most writers have never did what you did when you were at age 12 and you hand wrote a book and had it or typed up and, and, and passed around. But I was going to ask you, tell me how you felt seeing your book in print for the first time. Let's talk about your, your fantasy books, your ones mm -hmm. that you wrote, like you've got to a printer, either KDP or to through a publisher. And now you have this beautiful book in your hands. How was that a different experience for you than it was? Cause you had had so many books in the past. It was almost like, eh, it's just another one. Or was it somehow different? No, so with my first one with eulogy, um, it was it felt like pretty cool to hold it in my hands. I didn't like I wasn't trying to like market it a whole lot. Um, it was more of like kind of for myself. Um, but with Tides of Gephora, my publisher put in so much work into it. We got this great Italian artist to create this custom cover and like it looked beautiful and I'm like all this work had gone into it and it was formatted like just gorgeously. And that was pretty cool to see that. Um <laughs> and then to get like I got like a stack of them and then I was like wow now it kind of feels real just to see like multiple of them be like mm -hmm. okay people can actually like buy this and have it in their house um but right. I think the weirdest thing for me was we're getting audiobook auditions right now oh, um and so I listened to the audiobook audition and it was just so I like personally it was almost like um I almost felt like embarrassed like to hear someone like reading it out loud I was like that's my book they're reading my book and I was like oh people don't want to hear this you know like, <laughs> oh you're reading that passage wrong it goes like this um. <laughs> like oh no like my, my writing isn't that good you know there's definitely there's moments of self-doubt especially when you see it mm -hmm. in print you're like wow no one is is anybody gonna want to read this you know but at, like kind of yeah. we talked about like at the end of the day it's for yourself and if it's right. gonna catch on it's gonna catch on if you believe in it you know that's gonna make a massive difference and I, I do believe in that one so yeah I think as I was listening to it, it it was started to be pretty cool but at the beginning it's just like oh wow that's my words I wrote that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it yet <laughs> <laughs> are they are the people going to be like reading it verbatim or are you going to have like different different people read the different characters and have it sound more like a 
like a, a radio presentation or you know something like that mm-hmm. um so i think it's just going to be like one person narrating okay. um okay so we had a pretty good one so hopefully that'll get started soon um i'm really excited about that because i have many many people that i know who enjoy reading enjoy stories but they don't have the attention span to sit down and do it so they're really gonna uh, would rather have the audiobook to play sure. so I think that might really help um you know just like marketing and, and stuff like that yeah it's, it really- it's important um people have asked for copies of audiobooks from my from my book um my books and I'm like what you know because that's something I never <laughs> thought about doing yeah <clears throat> and I thought well maybe I'll just do my own audio version I got a nice microphone I know how to record but yeah, yeah I just don't know um yeah, it's just, it just it takes an awful lot of time to read, you know, 400 pages of work and to have it, it come out perfectly, you know. Yeah. No pressure, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I want to hear myself. I mean, I love hearing myself talk, but I don't know if I really, if I really want to do that, you know. I want to dedicate so. to it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right. <clears throat> um, have you ever read your own work a year or more after you published it? Uh, like, well, cause again, you're, you're kind of an aberration in that you've been writing since for such a long time, but like your, your published works, have you let them sit for a year or two and then you come back to reread them? And what was that experience like? Um, so my first one, that one I wrote in probably 2016, it got, came out in 2019. So it's still like recent, kind mm-hmm. of recent. Um, I haven't yet gone back and read it yet but I still have it still like look, still letting it age, you know, I, I don't sure. think I'm quite ready to kind of go at it with fresh, with fresh eyes yet. Um, but I have, you know, I have people who I know who have read it um, and really enjoyed it. And I was like, well, that's great. I'm sure I'll remember what it's about. When I read it. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't be surprised if you don't remember as much as <laughs> yeah, you think like, you will. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cause you are, yeah. Cause you're creating new things. I mean, you're always creating something new and it, it depending on if you're working with the one book and one line um, and sequels, or if you're working in multiple genres. Um, yeah. Cause when you come back to it, like I'm working on the second of this cozy series and I had done three books in between all different genres and to come back to it. I had to reread the first book cause I didn't remember like, I don't, I don't remember it. Um, you know, it's like you just set it out in the world and just it lives or it dies on its own, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I read it again. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think that, um, like kind of on that same, like going back and reading it when I did read it, um, I noticed how like almost small it was compared to even my second book, like just how small the world was and how, it was crazy to see how much I had expanded and how many cultures and like kinds of people and creatures I had added since that first book. So that was pretty yeah. cool. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. You have to, you have to expand, <laughs> you know, you have to, you have to do that um, to keep it tiny would be very claustrophobic. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Hobbiton is nice. We like, I'd like to visit Hobbiton, but we want to go out into the larger world so that when we come back to Hobbiton, we realize how nice and quaint it is and how much we've outgrown it. yeah how comfortable it is you're like right (laughs) yeah except for the hobbits who came back and they look at you know like they do this particularly effectively in jackson's version is when they look at each other there's that moment after they come back when they all look at each other and say they just kind of share this look like Mm. we've all outgrown this no one's going to ever 
know what we've been through you know and that to me is like one of my favorite moments of the whole of the whole thing like but, finishing a video game you know you come back with all this fancy armor and everything and you're like wow <laughs> yeah you get the infinite shotgun and resident evil you know it's like yes come on zombies i can take you yeah well, that's great yes. do you um I know with the pandemic, it's probably been hard to do, but do you plan on like doing book shows or selling your books like in person at events or anything like that? Absolutely. Um, uh, we've definitely been looking at cons and stuff like that. Um, it's just kind of still a little weird right now as far as like pricing yeah. and stuff like that. But what I've heard um, from some supporters and friends is that who go to a lot of like really local cons or like you really need to get in there because once you get in there and you know the people it's pretty much the same people it's the same sort of like niche groups and once you, they know you they will buy all of your books you know mm-hmm. once they find authors that they enjoy they will absolutely invest in you and that's the best way one of the best ways to really market yourself but that was pre-covid so now you know right. It might be a little bit longer before I can really get in there that way, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Yes. I, I had been doing book shows for a while with my with my other books, and I really liked it. Um, you know, sometimes you just break even, and that, that's a good day, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but I was really hoping to come back this year for it. But you, know, I don't know. I can't make any plans in November. We don't know what the world's going to be like, you know. Um, so, no, I, I definitely look forward to it. It's really fun when you go and meet people and they buy your book or if they come back and they buy another one, you know, at, an, at another con and you talk about, it, um, it's something very special when they ask you to like sign their book and things. It's a, it's kind of, it's just kind of a cool transaction, you know, it, it's very special. And, uh, so I hope you get that. I hope you get those moments. I hope so too. Yeah. I was really looking forward to it. And then, then the pandemic happened. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, what is your writer fantasy? My, like if you have a fantasy, like when you think about writing, is there a fantastic end? Like, you know, imagine like winning the lottery, like, Oh, if I won the lottery, I would do X, Y, and Z. So if, if there was a fantasy for you as a writer, where where's the end what is it like yeah my fantasy is this I think I would like the smallest version of that I would be happy if all I had to do was write I would be happy if I could kind of own it um and it would be something that was a full-time job that I could really make my own do my own schedule kind of thing um big picture like it'd be great to have like a movie or a series something like that that's uh you know always kind of a goal I know my first book eulogy um, was sent to someone and my publisher sent it to someone in Hollywood. Um, I don't think that it got chosen, but it was mm-hmm. really cool to think that someone was looking at it. Sure. Uh, so I think that that's a really good goal. You know, I would love to do like more kind of stuff like this, like podcasts or talk shows, stuff like that. You know, there's always a fantasy of like answering all these questions about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> stuff like that. So, or even like traveling, doing book shows. I think any, uh, I'm always going to be writing. So anything that I get out of it is just a bonus, you know? So I I think anything from here on, I'll I'll be excited about and happy with. So that's great. About where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's good. You got to be happy with where you're at, you know? So that's good. That's good. Just a couple more questions and, and we'll be, we'll be done. So what advice would you give to anyone who wants to write? Um, if you want to write, then you 
just gotta write. Like <laughs> you gotta put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. Um, even if it's not something that's good, even if it's just something you personally feel like you need to get off your chest. Writing is one of the greatest tools out there for any purpose. Um, there's all kinds of resources, you know, um, but a lot of it is kind of just finding your own voice. You have to, it has to come from within. And I think that's the biggest thing um, because it has to be authentic. Um, so as long as you're authentic and you keep practicing, you keep writing and you keep reading, that's the other, other aspect is you have to read everything you have to constantly be reading and learning um expanding your vocabulary um stuff like that then if, if you keep up with that it's like it's like anything like you keep practicing you're going to get better at it right exactly so, yeah and it takes a while to find that voice i mean so i don't want to yeah writers it's not like you're going to sit down and like ah i'm or you can't always just wait for inspiration. It's like, no, no, sometimes yes, you just have yeah. to force that. You know, you got the squeaky, rusty gate. You got to force that gate open. You got to prime the pump. And then the rust comes off the fingers and you start getting into a you know better place. Yeah. So, and yeah. It, it, you just have to be willing to push. Yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're not willing to push, then maybe you're not ready. Yeah. You it, won't ever be ready, but you've got to be willing to push. Yeah. Exactly. And a lot of it, there's a lot of pushing and writing. Yeah. A lot of it is not, it's not always fun. It's not joy. It's nice when it's fun. Editing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Right. I know that my current work, um, I know there's some editing that's going to be needed to be done because there's two characters that I realized when I wrote them, I, I wasn't inspired at all. Like these were characters who were in the first book, but had very tertiary roles and I'm trying to develop them a little bit more in this one. Um, and adding more characters in each book so that by the time I get all done and do the horror story, I have more people to kill. Um, so, you know, uh, but I realized I don't know who these are. I don't, I don't, I don't have their personalities. They're like, they're like trout right now, just flopping around, you know? <laughs> so, um, but that's one thing I noticed as I wrote them, because even when I was trying to write their dialogue, I'm like, God, I don't know what to say, you know? And so, um, yeah, so I'm hoping it's been a while since I looked at it. When I go back and read it, I'll be able to have something in mind going to, going to that. Um, can you tell me about your current work in progress? Um, so I have two works in progress right now. One is the ungifted story um, that could birth another five or six books. Um, and, then, and then the other one I'm working on is Hearth Slayer, which is the prequel to Tides of Gephora, and that's going to follow uh, my main character, Wenwen, her pretty much journey to becoming queen. Um, so I'm really excited about her character development. Um, and I had put a lot of myself into her. And she's got a lot of inspirations from, you know, very strong women. I'm, I'm just really excited to see her story come to life. So that's great. That's where I am now. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you would like to promote? Um. Not that I can think of. I do have my uh, short story, my anthology, um, The Mountain, but that um, is still in the works, so that might be a little bit longer. <laughs> okay. And last question. Where can we find your books? Um, so they're all on Amazon right now. Both of them are. Um, if you look up Eulogy, uh, Tale of Terriol, or Tides of Kephora, they'll be um, on there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Senna, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I've had a real good, uh, enjoyable hour and a half getting to know you and hearing about your process and talking about writing. This is, but this has been a great pleasure for me. 
Thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. I was a little nervous coming in my first kind of podcast thing, but well, I, this was I your really first enjoyed one? it. Yes, it was. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Thank you. you never would have known. You were very composed. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. Well, this is great. This is great. Uh, yeah, this is fun. Um, I, I I just love doing this for that for that same reason, just talking, you know, and trying to just keeping it casual, you know. So I'm gonna do my commercial, and then we're gonna get out of here. Sounds good. All right. You've been watching and listening to Between the Lines. You can listen to us at unsaneradio.com. You can get full episodes there or download to your device. You can watch us on you on our YouTube page, Between the Lines Podcast. If you're watching, that's where you're at. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you know someone who'd like our show, tell them about us. And if you're a writer and would like to come on for a chat, email me at betweenthelines54 at yahoo.com. That's betweenthelines54 at yahoo.com. And send it. Here's my cheesy outro line. See you next time between the lines. Oh, thanks. I wasn't ready. That's great, right? That's great, yeah. <laughs>